Hey everybody, hope you are having a wonderful week so far. Felt a little bit like a Monday today, so it'll be nice to be able to take an hour and uh, just sit here and talk to all y'all. So this is a big class today, which I feel like they all are these days. So I will take questions as I go, but if I wait a couple minutes to answer it, just know it's because it's coming up on something that we're gonna talk about in a moment. Before we get started, I wanna tell you about a couple classes we have upcoming. So I'm gonna touch a little bit on this today just to explain about cash on cash returns, but we're gonna take a deep dive into North Texas and how the different markets are handling today's economy, uh, the situation with COVID, the extreme business development, and this crazy market. So we're gonna look at a lot of major areas, employer relocations, how the rent rates are holding up, unemployment rates, all that type of stuff. And so that will be November 4th at 2.30. And then on November 22nd, we are going to go over the new purchase contract. There's a lot of changes. I really like the changes that have gone into effect. Many of you have probably already seen them on contracts you're putting out there, but we're gonna go over how things have changed, how it changes the timelines, payment of option and inspection fees, et cetera. So that'll be November 22nd at 2.30. As always, you can go to our Facebook, which is what you see here and go to events to see upcoming classes that we have. The only events that do not show on our Facebook are our exclusive investor events. And so those you'll have to have by flyer or you can always reach out to us directly. And to go back and watch old classes, you can visit one of our podcasts or you can go right to our website and go under media and see the old classes and go back and watch those. I like using YouTube if you want to speed it up. Um, I, I hear a lot that I can't be sped up, but if you're like me and you like to watch things a little bit faster, YouTube has an easy ability to do one and a half or 1.75 or whatever speed you're looking for. So again, of course, you can go Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, or YouTube. YouTube is my favorite, and you'll see all of our updates, all of the classes. We keep about two and a half to three years worth of classes up, and then a couple of the really popular ones will leave up longer. And we are also going back and really looking for feedback from you on what you want us to talk about, what you want us to teach, uh, what topics are helpful to go over. And so the topic we're talking about today is one that was uh, asked for by a customer and then comparing the DFW market areas, that's another one. So please, if you have an idea for a class, reach out to us, let me know. You can reach out to marketing at omnikeytexas.com or most of you or many of you are on my Facebook or you have my email, feel free to reach out to me directly and let me know an idea you have for a class. Before I get started, as always, everything that we are going to talk about today is my best judgment. It is based on years of experience of being an investor myself and owning and operating a real estate property management and investment firm. We are one tool in your toolbox. We have a few goals. Number one, to help you make the best decisions for your investment journey. Also to guide you to the right people to help you along your investment journey and to help you have an investment journey. And so we are one part and one piece of that puzzle. And always we recommend you consult with those in your life that you trust, those who you feel give you the best guidance to make decisions on your journey. We are one part of that. We will always do our best to guide you. And of course, if it's something outside of our wheelhouse or if we have a contact that we feel can better assist you, we will make that referral or recommendation as well. There's no guarantees in real estate. All real estate is subject to risk or loss. But of course, we do feel and do preach that we feel it is the safest investment that you can invest in. And certainly we do that ourselves. So let's get started. 
There is a misconception in real estate investing, especially those that operate in the multifamily world, that a cap rate is the golden rule. And I say that because I want you to understand not only the differences between a cap rate and a cash on cash return, but also how those of us that leverage and those of us that work in different markets and buy in different markets and need to compare different product types and different markets, how it is a disservice to look at cap rates and cap rates only. So I'm going to talk to you about what a cash on cash return is. I'm going to teach you how to calculate it. I'm going to talk about what a cap rate is. I'm going to teach you how to calculate that. And then we're going to talk about why the cash on cash return algorithm is superior and why it's so important as you look at an investment property you own and try to make a decision of what you're going to do with it, sell, cash out, whatever it is, how running cash on cash returns will help you make that decision. So again, if you have any questions as I go, please don't hesitate to submit those in the questions section or in the chat section. So let's start with what is a cash on cash return? A cash on cash return looks at the value of a property and compares it to the income, including the mortgage, to determine the actual amount of cash you are making compared to the total amount of equity in a deal. Now that equity word is, is key here because what happens is people run their returns based on what they initially had in that transaction. And I'm actually gonna show you how that looks in a little bit. But think about it this way, you buy a $200,000 house and you put 20% down, so you're putting $40,000 down. So you have $40,000 in that deal, assuming it's worth 200, right? So let's say the market's going up, that home is now worth $220,000. Your rent rate goes up, you look at it and you go, oh my gosh, my cash flow is fantastic, this is wonderful, my return is huge. But what we neglect to do and what we find is that you don't go back and rerun your return now with $60,000 equity in that home instead of 40. Because although you only put 40 down to start with, all that equity gain, any appreciation, any principal pay down on your monthly mortgage payments, paying down your balance, all of that is sitting equity that could be used and is cash in that deal. So very, very important that when you run a cash on cash return, you are running it based on your equity because that is truly the funds available that you have locked up in that property. For those of us that hold our properties for a few years, especially in a market like this, that equity makes a huge difference in return. Many areas in North Texas saw 20% appreciation or more last year. That is $40,000 in equity on that property. That means you doubled the amount of equity you had in that deal. Therefore, your return has plummeted unless you've doubled the income coming in. Now, how do we calculate a cash on cash return? We divide the yearly net income, including the mortgage and all expenses by the amount of equity you have in the deal. That's gonna give you a decimal and then you're gonna multiply it by 100 to get the percentage. So for example, you have a property that brings in $4,000 a year net income but you have $30,000 equity that you originally put down on that mortgage. So you're gonna take your $4,000 income, you're gonna divide that into the $30,000 you have in that, then you're gonna multiply it by 100, and then that's gonna give you 13.3 repeating. So your return, your cash on cash return is just over 13% on that deal. 
So we are looking at how much cash are we getting back for the amount of cash we put out. And for people like me and high volume investors who are constantly refinancing our properties and 1031 exchanging and doing these things, what happens is all of that equity or that appreciation that you go put back into more properties and double and double and double. What happens is you'll own a portfolio with only the initial amount of cash or very close to it that you invested. And so then when you run your returns, you might have five properties now cash flowing that you've 1031 would into but you did it all with appreciation from your original X dollar amount. And so your return eventually will become infinite. And that is where people like I play in the market with our volume. And ultimately that is the goal for those of us who are trying to replace an income or build that passive income. Now let's talk about a cap rate. A cap rate looks at really how the property performs with income and purchase price. Now, the interesting thing about a cap rate is it's the same thing as a 100% cash purchase, cash on cash return. So this is gonna be really important as we discuss the negatives of a cap rate, because essentially when you run a cap rate, you were looking at a cash purchase. You were looking at that deal non-specific. And let me explain what that means. First, let's talk about what is a cap rate. So a cap rate is the return of a property based on its price and net income. So to calculate it, you're going to divide the net income by the purchase price. Again, that's going to get you a decimal. You'll multiply by 100 and that will get you your percentage of return. So a $100,000 net income property with a sales price of $1.4 million. Now notice that I'm using a multifamily type property here because, again, cap rates are typically used in the multifamily game because it's easier based on financing differences. And I'll kind of explain that in a moment. $100,000 divided by 1.4 million times 100 is a 7.14% cap rate. That is a cap rate, not the return on the cash you have invested. Notice that nowhere in this algorithm of calculating this has it asked for your mortgage type or how much money you put down, only the sales price of the property and what the income is net. Very different. So, the negatives of UV and cap rates, there's so many, there's so many. And really the best way for me to show you is running performance. So I'm going to show you a couple of performers looking at cash on cash and how it changes as you own and refinance or 1031 or whatever you do. But the biggest problem with cap rates is different properties have different types of lending. So if you're only looking at cap rates, you can't compare apples to apples properties that are not identical. So a single family versus a two unit has a different percentage of down payment. Therefore, the return is going to be different. A duplex in Fannie Mae is going to have a higher interest rate than a single family. A 25% down loan is gonna have a better interest rate than a 20% down loan. There are so many different pieces that you cannot take into consideration when you're looking at only cap rates. In addition, if you do financing that looks at loan to cost, along with loan to value, i.e. if you have enough equity, you can buy down your down payment by using equity towards that up to a certain extent. There's really no way to calculate that return and the benefit of those types of deals with equity if you're only looking at cap rates. Additionally, your return changes as you own the property. I already mentioned how as you own a property and the value goes up, your equity increases. And so by running those cash on cash returns to see what your return is now with the new equity stake, you're able to make decisions about your portfolio and the best ways to utilize it for maximum growth and maximum cash flow. Cap rate doesn't give you the ability to do that. Again, 
cap rates only look at the price and the net income. And even if you were to rerun cap rates at value and net income, you still cannot compare the way that you can compare with the value and only the equity you have in a deal that you can with cash on cash returns. And so when determining when to 1031 exchange, you will never be able to get the information that you need solely looking at cap rates. And in fact, I myself never, strong word, never use cap rates. Because to me, I don't care what the cap rate is. I care what my deal looks like with my availability of lending, my cash out of pocket, my equity stake, my tax rate, my rent return, and what it looks like in the future. And every year I look at every property to decide what to do. So why are cash on cash returns so important when you're trying to decide whether to cash out or 1031 exchange or sit on your property or sell it and take the gains? Why is cash on cash return so important? As your equity increases, again, your cash on cash return decreases. You have to calculate your returns in real time to take into consideration that extra equity that is sitting. Let's break it down a little differently. Typically, each year, rental rates go up around 3% on a national average. If we were to go back a few years, we would say about 2.7%. Right now, for example, most parts of DFW saw a 15% increase in rent rates this year, year over year. But sales prices went up far beyond that, and most experts are calling for more than 19% appreciation in the next 12 months in DFW. So that's a 4% disparagement between a rental increase and a value increase. So they're going up at different rates. Additionally, every year you own a property, your systems get older, your maintenance costs rise, and your expenses increase. And especially if you've bought a new construction property or a dilapidated property that you've fixed up, those property taxes are going to catch up. And the higher values rise, the higher those taxes are going to catch up. And in some cases, as these cities grow and they become more developed and they have more city services and more city benefits, the property tax rate, the actual percentage that's used, will increase as well. So there's a lot of factors as to why the longer you own a property, the more expensive it gets. This is the rental trend from September 2021 year over year. Now, I want you to look at what's happened here. We've got Plano, McKinney, Carrollton. So we've got Dallas County, Collin County. We've got... Tarrant County for Fort Worth and Arlington, you'll notice that almost every area saw at least 15% year over year growth. Now, there's a few reasons for that. Number one, we have a huge housing shortage. Number two, a lot of people didn't move. There was no inventory to move to. And number three, the vast majority of the need for housing, as I've talked about many times before, is being filled by apartments. So what that means is there is a massive shortage in single family and single family type property. And so the market has been astronomically hot and continuing to get hotter because the builders cannot and will not and is not gonna change. They're not gonna keep up. A report that just came out, one of the things I'm gonna talk about in the November class is that we are in a five year builder negative. Most builders here are pre-sold two years in advance. And they're not choosing to build in the suburbs where the jobs are going. They're building in the main mega areas, the big, big suburbs that don't work for rent return. They're building class A property with tons of amenities. It's an amenity game right now. How many fancy workout centers and movie theaters and things can I put in my apartment complex to compete with the other 40,000 units coming online? 
but nobody stops to think about the fact that COVID makes people want space. COVID at the end of the day has done one thing, and one of the main reasons why Dallas has been so strong is because we are spread out. We are the only major metro of our size. Keeping in mind, we're about fourth largest in the United States. We are the only one that is not driven around downtown because of our highway system, because of our employers and vast majority of the relocations being located in the suburbs, our market is unique. And because of that, people come here from California and New York and they see that they can work in Collin County, live in Grayson County or work in Collin County, live in Cook County, or even live in Northern Collin County or Denton County and not have to live in that density that they were originally located in before they came here. And then it compounds the problem because they come here cash heavy because the markets that they came from are still selling for astronomical amounts of money. They come here with all this cash and they've driven up our market. Yet still you can find affordable property under a quarter million dollars a year in DFW. And that is unbelievable to me and one of the largest metros in the United States. And that is why we continue to see this incredible appreciation. Now, is there a crystal ball? Is there a guarantee that's going to continue? Of course not. But are we primed for that to continue? You know, when, when Newsom did not get recalled, the first thing I said to Michael is, well, here's a bunch more businesses coming our way. And what just happened? Tesla is moving their corporate headquarters. Are they severing all ties with California? Of course not. No one's going to sever all ties. But are they going to go to a climate that is going to be business friendly and allow them to operate without all the restrictions that we've seen put in place? It doesn't matter what you believe about COVID. It doesn't matter what you believe about what's been done or whether people should be vaccinated or any of that. None of it matters. At the end of the day, business owners want to be in a place where they don't have to worry about being told what they have to do because it hits the bottom line. And that's what we're seeing. Now let's look at the sale information. And again, I'm gonna go real in depth in this in November, but it's important that you understand what's happening in the market right now. The median home price is up almost 20% compared to August, 2020. Now, I don't need to tell you how much the market was hurting in August, 2020. Active listings are down over 40%. The days on market right now is 15 days to contract. And month of inventory, a healthy market should be close to six months of inventory. We are at 1.1. I was sitting here telling you about our housing shortage a year ago and a two month of inventory market. Look at where we are now. Now, all of this means we have to look at our returns as the market is going up and the numbers are going up and rents are rising and sale prices are rising. We have to look at our properties to understand our returns so that we can understand what we need to do. Again, this goes back to we are one tool in your toolbox. We're going to tell you what the market's doing. We're going to provide you the information. We're going to give you the examples of why we recommend either selling or re-renting or cashing out or refinancing or whatever it may be. But at the end of the day, you have to know why, why it's so important and why doing those 1031s lets you build that portfolio. There are some of us that have primary incomes that allow us to continue buying in large volume. So we don't have to 1031 to capitalize on that equity to keep buying. But most of us, most investors, it's that equity in those homes, in the markets like DFW that are just absolutely killing it right now. That equity is what's gonna take you to the next level. And if you never use it, 
The path is so slow that it's not going to get you where you want to be and definitely not at the speed that we can offer if you follow the model. Now, let me show you how this looks. So we're going to assume that you have a property, whether you just bought it, whether you own it, whatever, it's worth $200,000 and you've got 20% equity in it, $40,000. Your loan is an 80% loan at $160,000. Let's assume half of what they're calling for in appreciation, 10% this year and 10% next year. So end of year one, you've appreciated 10%. That house is now worth $220,000. Your equity is now $60,000. At the end of year two, your property is now worth $242,000, which means your equity is now $82,000. Now I want you to remember that $82,000 number. Let's say that year three, it goes down. Now it's appreciating at 5%. And year four, it goes down again. It's appreciating at 5%. At the end of year four, you now have almost $107,000 in equity, not including your principal pay down. And that's the amount of your mortgage that you pay every month that actually pays down your loan amount. So let's say you go buy two more $200,000 properties because you've 1031 exchanged the one you own. That requires $80,000 plus closing costs. At the end of year two, you have enough to turn one property into two with little to no extra cash expenditure. If you take a property you own right now, you 1031 it and you go get two, and the market appreciates at the 20% or more they're calling for in the next 12 months, each property you own will gain enough equity for you to go buy two more. So in theory, if the experts are right in a year, you can now have four properties. And they're saying this housing shortage is going to stay here in DFW for five years. So again, the 1031 exchange is a tool to maximize your properties, to maximize your income. And don't forget, every property you own is cash flowing. Every property you own is giving you depreciation benefits and every property you own is paying down principal every single month. So again, after this 1031, you've taken the value from one property and its gains and turned it into two. Now, many of you are probably wondering, why would I not cash out? And the answer is because when you cash out a $240,000 property and your rent has not gone up at the same rate, you're no longer going to have enough cash flow to make it worthwhile to have a quarter million dollar rental property. That is not the prime pricing where we see the best gains in percentage of return, the best gains in appreciation, and the best gains for overall profitability to grow the portfolio. It's a lot easier to gain $40,000 in equity in a cheaper house than it is on a more expensive house when we look at a percentage basis. So if we need 20% gain on a $140,000 home, that's only $28,000 it has to go up. And entry-level homes, that's a pretty easy thing to do in a good market. But if we need 20% on a $250,000 home, that's $50,000 it has to go up. And the rent has to go up at the same rate to keep the return the same for the duration of ownership. And we've already established that they don't go up at the same rate. So let's take a look. This is your original purchase performa, and this is fake. I just made this up, but I used a prevalent property tax rate, and I used the example with all expenses of what we just discussed. So what we have here is a $200,000 property. We have a 20% down payment, a 4% interest rate, so we're going to pretend this is a Fannie Mae loan. 2.5% property tax, $40,000 down payment. Your loan's 160. 
Your cash flow on this property is 210 and 47 cents a month and yearly that's 25.25. Now most of you know we don't typically spend above 200,000 for investment properties, but I'm using easy numbers here so that you understand and this is translatable to any market you're in. So your original cash on cash return here was 6.31%. And if you take into consideration your principal pay down, which is almost 28 and some change a year, so you've paid down $2,800 a year in principal pay down just in your mortgage payments, your overall cash on cash return is over 13 and a third percent. This is after two years at 10% appreciation or one year at 20% appreciation if the experts are right. Your value is now $242,000. You now have $82,000 equity, which equates to over 33% equity. Your rent's gone up $100. Let's be realistic. You've got some more money coming in now. But what's your cash flow? In reality, there's very little change if you were to go in and capitalize on a cash out refinance. Your return has actually cut in half. Now, what happens if you 1031 exchange into two properties? Here's where it gets really interesting because what happens is your cash on cash return doubles because you no longer have the 80,000 in the deal that you put down for the original purchase. What you actually put down is only 40,000. So you're gonna run your returns, not like this, but with the full 80 in there. But what we're actually looking at is how you only truly have $40,000 in these properties. The rest of that money was not money that you started with. So you're gonna run your returns with all that appreciation that you didn't put the cash out for. But if we really break it down to what you originally had in that deal and how it compares to your 6% return, you've doubled the return. That is the power of a 1031 exchange. Now, even if appreciation drops, and this is where we talk about our two to six year strategy that you're gonna sell in 1031 every two to six years until you get to such a size that you have enough cash coming in that you could keep buying without doing that process. Let's assume appreciation is 5% for the next two years and then it drops to 3%. You can follow, we go to 210, 220, 227, 233, 240. Even in this reduced appreciation, in one of the largest metros in the United States, arguably the strongest market in the United States, you still can double your portfolio every five years. So back to our $80,000 plus closing cost figure to buy two properties, even with that reduced appreciation, you still can double and you're still principal paying down. We determined $2,700 a year or more. So all of your closing costs or the vast majority of them are covered by that. So again, still, even in a slow growth market, which could be other markets, not DFW, you still can double in five years. And this is the power of what we're talking about here. So the question becomes, why sell in a hot market? Why not hold on and ride it out? Well, number one, you wanna have as many properties as possible to appreciate while we believe appreciation is going to happen. You also want to make sure that you are capitalizing on that while good financing terms exist. In a bad market, there aren't as good a loan programs always as there are right now. And so it's very important that in a good market, you utilize what's there. But also we talked about the higher the value goes, the rents don't keep up, the systems age. So you hang on five to 10 years, you might've pocketed say $10,000 in cash flow, but in five to 10 years, you're gonna spend that to make the property like new again. 
And yes, you're going to hold the tenant accountable for as much as possible. But the bottom line is that paint and carpet has a life expectancy of five, six years. Appliances, five, six years. It is important to make sure you are turning over your properties for many, many reasons. But at the end of the day, why would you miss out on one of the best markets there is and the ability to excel and really push yourself to the next level utilizing what the market is doing? And then wherever it is, wherever it is, when the market slows, you have a portfolio that you bought originally only looking at cash flow. Because again, we're not running returns based on appreciation and telling you you're going to make 300% or 400% on your money because I don't need to. Our market speaks for itself. Our market cash flows. To find a cash flow and appreciating market is the trifecta, right? And so the bottom line is that it's great to look at how you're going to double or triple your money and look at those two, three, 400% returns in five, six, seven years. That's great. And I definitely want you thinking about that. But there's no crystal ball. We buy on the merit of cash flow. So if and when the market softens, doesn't really matter to us because we are cash flowing like crazy. And that is why we take advantage of a hot market. I'm going to take questions. I've got a couple here, so let me hit these as we go. So what should your target before stopping your processes to sell every two to six years? So I stopped 1031 in every two to six years when I hit probably 75 units, maybe 80 units. But I'm in a unique position, right? Because I still have a full-time business that I have zero desire to leave. I wasn't trying to retire like many of you are. I wasn't trying to replace an income. I was trying to create a ca passive cash flowing business that works in conjunction with. And, you know, Michael and I bought like 100 or more units last year. So we're high volume. But my goals are a little different. Your goals will be different than what mine are or different than what John Doe's is. And so it's really about what you're looking for. A lot of people come to me and they say, well, I only need $10,000 a month. Once I hit $10,000 a month in passive income, I'm done. That's it. But here's what I tell people. I started this company at 18. I'm in my mid-30s. If I were to retire now at what I think I need to pay my bills, what it's going to be when I'm 60 or 70 is a very different number than what it is today. All we have to do is look at what's happened with inflation. So you have to make sure that whatever goal you have, if it's replacing your income or retirement, you have to make sure that it is enough to stand the testament of time and what happens with inflation. And right now, I don't think any of us know where this is gonna end. This inflation situation is significant and it's one of the reasons why things I believe are gonna keep going crazy value-wise. So whatever you think your number is, I like to tell people to double it, honestly. And that's because depending on your age, depending on your situation, you've got to make sure that when you hit retirement age and beyond, that you can afford insurance and you can afford those things that we have no idea if the government's gonna be able or willing to provide for. Um, I have a question about ratio of renters to buyers coming into the Dallas area. So how many people would like to buy versus how many people can is a different number because there's just not enough property. Going into COVID, we were 50-50 in Dallas and we were 40% renters in Tarrant County. Um, where we are now, a lot of people are having to rent because they can't find homes to buy. And so that is an important distinguishment, but we're still probably pretty close to the 50-50 mark. 
what's happening is the people moving here are actually beating out the locals because they're coming with more cash and more availability because they sold properties in very expensive areas. Question about my opinion on two to four units. I own a ton of two to four units and a ton of four to 50 units. Um, last year I bought a 24 unit, a 10 unit, an eight unit, a five unit. I'm a big believer in small multifamily for those of us who understand the risks of those extreme value plays. Most people, that's not their forte, that's not what they're looking for. And that's why I love two to four units because they're kind of in the middle, right? You get a lot of the benefits of multifamily while still getting the simplicity of single family. I'm a big fan of duplex projects, garden walk-up projects, things that feel like single family homes so we can hold tenants accountable. I'll give you an example. I had a client who bought a big batch of duplexes and the old landlord didn't quite do things the way that I do. So he was still providing pest control. He was still taking care of the lawns. Well, these are duplexes that are individually metered. Tenants have their own front and backyard. There's absolutely no reason that they needed to be doing the lawn. So the first thing we do is renew them on the leases where it's just like a single family. Tenant bears all expenses. So I love those types of multifamily projects because it gives us the flexibility to do that. And so if you're looking to maximize and you're looking to do those things, two to four units are a great way to do it. Now, when you deal with Fannie Mae lending, and a lot of you know that is not my favorite, it's not my number one recommendation, but it is a necessary evil for a lot of people starting out. The negative of Fannie Mae and two to four units is you have to put 25% down. Now, most people are choosing to put 25% down regardless with Fannie Mae because rates are so much higher at 20% than 25. But then again, a lot of our clients are going commercial where you can do 20% down all day long. So it really, again, depends on your lending, going back to the importance of using cash on cash returns and not cap rates, because we calculate those things when we're looking at making decisions on what investments we're going to buy. So just keep in mind that if you are buying a two to four unit and you are using conventional Fannie Mae financing, it will be 25% down minimum, no matter what. There is no 20% option with Fannie Mae. It has to go to 25. I think... That's all the questions. So I'll make one last call for any questions. And then of course, as always, you can reach out to us after this with any questions or you know specific situations of what you're looking for guidance on as well. All right, thank you guys so much for joining me today. As always, I, I love doing these because I feel like there's there's so much information out there. I could teach a class a day and never run out of topics. It's just knowing what topics are the most helpful for you as you build these portfolios. So as always, reach out to us with any questions. Again, I implore you, send me ideas you have for classes, and uh, we look forward to continuing to help you on your investment journeys. Otherwise, I hope you guys have a great week, and I'll see you in a couple weeks for the next class. Take care. Oh, and by the way, if you didn't respond to the mixer on the 23rd, if you didn't get that invite, make sure you let us know. It'll be at our lake house on the 23rd. Big old shindig. We look forward to seeing as many of you there as possible. All right. Thanks so much.